0: Amen. All right, this is the last week of part of our series, The Generous Life. And if, you, if you've missed the other two messages, I encourage you, you can go on, you can get the app and listen to them through the app or through the podcast or through the website. But I encourage you to listen to them. This one's going to take a little bit of a different turn. The, the heart of the messages have been just to teach us the, the effect of our life lived out with a gracious heart. A gracious heart. In some aspects, of course, that's been with our heart to give and to be generous and contributions, but not that alone. Especially today, I'm going to take another little bit of a turn. But there's a reason why I think that's important for us. And, and to be honest with you, it's almost unnatural for believers to not be generous. It's almost unnatural because the Spirit of God that is within us is the spirit of a God who is full of generosity. I mean, full of generosity. And that's the spirit that lives in us. We've experienced some amazing things from the Lord, even toward our salvation. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave right from the beginning of us recognizing that there was a God who loved us. He gave us something, someone in this case that we could not have earned or obtained in any other way God wanted us to know his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, wanted us to have a life and relationship with him. And so by, by he, he uh, acknowledged that and initiated that by sending his son, he gave. And then the scripture goes on to tell us in Romans 8.32 that since he did not spare his own son, will he not give us all things that pertain to life? And so the heart of God is to be generous, generous in the sense of bringing us to a place of knowing him, and generous in the sense that anything in life that we need for godliness and for righteousness and for living unto him, he provides that. Jesus himself said that my purpose is it's contrary to what the enemy's purpose is. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says my purpose is to give you life and to give you that more abundantly. Can you say amen to that? And so I don't know if I really have a big idea to this message, but there was a passage that I read in the message that I I think speaks to where I want to go. And it says it this way. The verse is Luke 638. It says, Given away your life, you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way generosity begets Generosity. And so I want to talk about today leaving a legacy. It's something that's been on my heart for a while, something that's been on my mind, something that, it means something to me, leaving a legacy. I want to give you just a couple of definitions of legacy. The one definition, this is from Merriam's Webster's Dictionary. It says, a gift by will, especially of money or other personal property, a bequest. So, uh, many of us are familiar with that sense of legacy. There's there's foundations named after people, foundations named after particular movements that people have instituted. Many times, when people pass away, they may leave their home or their um, a, a, a certain portion of their of their accumulated funds, uh, whatever the case may be. However, they've obtained what they have in assets, and they may leave it to something. Uh, and, and that's considered a legacy they're, they're, they're bequesting something that's important to them Something that means something to them They're bequesting all of that to them And so oftentimes the, the statement can be made She left a legacy of millions or whatever the case may be But the other word legacy, which I'm going to spend more time on Is something that's transmitted Or something that's received from an ancestor or predecessor in other words, someone that's in your life, they have, they have passed on something. They've left something that has had a tremendous impact in your life. Something that has some great, great value. I shared with you a few weeks ago that they honored my grandmother, 93 years old, serving the church for 67 years, serving an organization for uh, 51 years. Uh, of multitudes of people who've come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ they honored her a few weeks ago and while I'm standing there uh, watching my grandmother uh, receive this award if they speak these accolades over her my thought was what a legacy has been passed down and has been left and this is what I have come to know the legacy you leave is determined by the life you live and what you give away the legacy you leave is determined by the life you live and what you give away. I, I read one of the most saddest scriptures in the Bible. I mean, it's sad. And it talks about a king named Jehoram. And I may be saying his name wrong, Ram, something of that nature. But it's in Second Chronicles. You won't have to turn there, and I don't think it's on the screen. But I want to I wanna read this to you he came in like a bulldozer with this mindset that he was going to bring a lot of reform to the nation the truth of it is he was an evil guy and didn't do things that lined up with the Lord and the Lord actually struck him with something that actually caused his bowels to gush out and killed him uh, I didn't mean to get that graphic but that's, it's in the Bible, you can read it so I'm just I'm, I'm here to just tell you what the Bible says and so but this is what the scripture says about him. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. And listen to this. And no one was sorry when he died. Can you believe that? Second Chronicles 21 20. No one was sorry when he died. No thought of leaving a legacy. No thought of doing anything that would have that kind of impression in people's life. And I guess you could say it this way. He left a legacy, but it wasn't a good one. No one was sorry when he died. I read, I read uh, a pastor was writing about, he was actually writing about doing funerals. And he wrote about a gentleman that had passed away in his church. And he had been the guy's pastor for many years. He, he, he talked about the man epitomizing grace. He said he was deeply loved by his wife, by his daughters, his son-in-laws. He even talked about when he died, it was his son-in-laws that were kneeling down beside him when he was passing away. But he said after the funeral, uh, family members uh, sent a card, and one of the daughters had put a letter inside the card to him. And she said different things uh, in in the letter, but he said one of the last lines she wrote in the note was this, talking about her father. Our world has lost a righteous man. And in this world, that's no small thing. That has some meaning. That has some value. That's leaving the legacy. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time today. I'm actually going to take you to two narratives in the scripture that's going to show you a contrast of how two people lived their life and what the effects of that was in the long term for both of them. If you don't mind turning the scripture, because there's not many verses on the on the board, I don't believe. But John chapter twelve, if you if you don't mind turning there, John chapter twelve. And I want to I to I to read uh, verses one through eight. I think I can take this off a little bit safely. Yeah, I want to read verses one through eight. And then we're gonna we'll jump to another to another passage. This same story is talked about in the book of Mark. And so we're going to go back and forth so that you can see the significance of what Jesus was saying. But this is John chapter 12, and we're going to look—I'm going to read it down through 8. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this anointment ointment not sold for 300 denarii? and given to the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money back, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you have, you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, let me just, this is a uh, a family event, we learn from the passages that they may not be, although Mary and Martha lived in Bethany, it's very possible that they could have been in a home of Simon the leper. Some people believe that the house that they lived in at one time belonged to Simon the leper. But any event, he's in Bethany. He's in a place that he's been familiar with. He's been there before. Uh, they know him. He, he knows them. And they gather. This is after Lazarus has been risen from the dead. And they gather there. And the scripture says while they're gathering, Mary comes in and she opens this alabaster box of ointment. And she pours it on the feet of Jesus. Now, it was a sealed container. It was a container that women particularly gather for someone special, someone that they love, someone that they're going to use, use down the road to pledge a a commitment, per se. Mary has to break the seal of that and pour it on Jesus' feet. Now, the reason that she reserved that is because there was going to be a moment to where she thought she would be maybe pledging her love and life to someone, again, that she might have been betrothed to. That's why it was reserved. And I want you to note that it's not cheap. It's 300 denarii is what the passage says here, which is one year's wages for a laborer. That's a year's worth of work for someone that's just a laborer, but a year's worth of of wages. Don't know how Mary got it. Don't know uh, how long she had saved up for it. Don't know how long she might have had it. But she was making a statement about her love for Jesus. Then we have this rascal named Judas. This guy sees what Mary is doing and says, to, well, says out loud, Why is she doing this? This is something that could have been sold and given to the poor. Now, the scripture said already that he said that, uh, talking out loud as if he cared about the poor, but he really didn't care about the poor. Judas absolutely cared about himself The whole time he's carrying the money bag Which is always intriguing to me Jesus knew that Judas was a devil And a thief And yet yet he let him take care of the money Yeah, I know none Yeah Yeah, so Judas is carrying the money The scripture says he just goes into it And uses the money whenever he wants his heart, his mind, his desire never was to give to others who have a need. Judas's whole heart was to get and to keep or to take. Now, when you when you see what Judas is saying or what he's doing, Jesus replies to that in more detail, and it's actually a mark, and this actually might be on the screen. He replies on it in more detail, knowing what Judas is thinking. It's Mark 14, verse 6, and I'll read 8 through 9. It says, but Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a thing to me? Listen to this. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Now, I want you to hold on to that for a minute because, mind you, when you read just a few more verses down in Mark, the scripture tells us what happens to Judas after Jesus makes that statement. In verse number 10, when Jesus hears that, that, again, whatever his thinking is on how he wants to live his life according to his own thoughts, practices, actions, beliefs... Etc. When he shut down on this, the scripture says in verse number 10, then Judas then went out, leading the priests to arrange to betray Jesus. They were delighted when they heard why he had come and they promised to give him money. And because they promised to give him something, the scripture says he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So, on the one hand, Jesus is saying, what this woman is, she's doing everything she can unto me. Judas is going out doing everything he can for Judas. Now, to, to kind of fast forward you some stuff, not too long after this, Jesus was taken. He was taken before the councils and etc. Jesus was condemned unto death. And Jesus was being prepared to be crucified. It was then that Judas recognized that his greed and his avarice and his mindset was way out of line with what God wanted. Scripture says that Judas went off, it's in Matthew 27, 5, he took the silver coins, threw them back to those who had gave it to him, and he went out and hung himself. Now, let me just drop this on you, and then I'm going to take you to another narrative where you're going to see it more clearly. You remember what Jesus said about Mary. Because here is a woman given everything she has. That's out of her heart. She's pledging herself to me. Oh, I think I forgot to tell you this story. The Scripture says, tell you this part. The Scripture says that she takes her hair and wipes his feet. Now, if you know anything about that culture a woman never lets her hair down in public except for her husband. This woman is pledging not only giving what she had earned or what she had saved to give to someone she loved, by taking her hair down and wiping Jesus' feet, she's declaring everything about me I'm giving to you as if I was giving it to a husband. Everything about me I'm giving to you. My life Is committed to you and notice what Jesus says Jesus says because of what she's done this will be a memorial for her forever everyone will talk about the life that Mary gave unto the Lord because she gave out a generous heart but you know where Judas's life ended on a tree with a noose around his neck and the, the simple principle that Jesus is teaching here is a generous life goes on to leave a legacy of serving and commitment to Christ. But a life that's committed to self ends wherever you die. Wherever you end, that's where your life ends. I, I'm, I'm thinking this is a little too heavy for you, but I'm going to stay with the Bible. Let's turn, if you would, to Genesis 13. Genesis 13. I'm just going to stay with the Bible. And if my words don't get you, the word will. Genesis 13. Let me just tell you another little story here. Because we're talking about giving life away. We're talking about having a generous heart. We're talking about having a, a life that's committed unto God. And actually one that trusts him. This is a wonderful uh, story. It's about a man by the name of Abram. He's going to get become Abraham later on, but right now he's Abram. Now this is this is a little bit of reading, but I, but I want to I want to read it all. It's Genesis 13, verses one through 15. Just follow along for a minute. So Abram went up from Egypt. He had his wife and all that he had, and a lot with him into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been beginning at the—sorry, had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot who went with Abram, which is a whole other story of Lot going with him, also had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Verse number 8. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the land the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley... And Lot journeyed east. Don't forget that. Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, here is a man that we know is, has much. He's a man that the Lord had called from where he was, he was in a land of plenty. Abraham already had a lot with it from his father in the land of Ur, the land of Chaldeans, but God had chosen, selected him to be the one that would represent, uh, have a faith in him that would be one that represents our faith or leads us at our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God called him out. He says, "Abram, I want you to leave your family, and I want you to go where I'm telling you to go. There's a land that I have for you, and it's going to be a possession for you, and it's going to be a possession for all your descendants. And in that land, you're going to be blessed and you're going to multiply. Things are going to be great. You're going to be great. Nations are going to follow after you. Abram obeyed the Lord, went to a place that he didn't know. He was to leave his family, but for some reason or another, Abram decided to take his nephew Lot. Again, I could talk about that in a whole lot of other context, but he took his nephew Lot. Lot had gained some riches, because of their reproduction and being with Abram, Abram was just continue to grow. And then the scripture says that Lot's herdsmen, now mind you, he's along for the ride. Lot's herdsmen are having strife with Abram's herdsmen. It's Abram that the Lord is leading to give him the land. Lot's coming along, but it's Lot's herdsmen that decide, hey man, this, this, this place ain't big enough for the both of us. We're constantly growing and getting more and more, and that dude's getting more and more, but we can't can't both survive here together. Abram hears about the conflict. He goes a lot. He says, listen, there's no reason for us to fight about it, no reason to fuss. I want you, now listen to Abraham's heart. I want you to look up. Now, mind you, the Lord said he's given the land to Abraham. You guys following me on that? He's, full, he's giving the land to Abraham. Are y'all still with me out there? Y'all looking at me like Alice in Wonderland. He's given it, it to Abraham. But he says, listen, I want you to, to take whatever part of this land you want. If you go one way, I'll go the other. There's no need to fight. You take what, if you go the other way, I'll go this way. The scripture says that Ab- uh, Lot in his self-centeredness looks up and sees the best land, the land that was the greenest. The land that was the most water. Now, if you took an aerial view of this area, you'll know exactly where Abram—I mean, where Lot—is looking at. It's the only land that's closest to the to the water. When things flood, you could you could run off water. There's, it's the easiest to get water to your crops. It was absolutely the most fertile land there and had the most water coming through it. And you remember from the messages that I've done, whoever's got the water can handle their crops, their livestock. Whoever's got the water will increase in the wealth. Lot looks up and says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that land, Uncle Abraham. Abraham knew it was the best. That's the land I want over there. And the Lord, and Abram says to Lot, okay, you go ahead. You go ahead and take that land, no problem. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us not only did Abram stay where he was, although the land was given to him, he let Lot take the best part of it. And he even moved away further away from Lot and got closer to the cities of Canaan. But let me tell you what God does for people who have a heart that's generous and who lives a life of generosity. Remember this, uh, look at this, verse 14. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. Now, remember I told you, remember Lot went to the east. The Lord said, look in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm giving you this land as far as you can see to you and to your descendants a permanent possession. Listen, and I will give you so many descendants like the dust of the earth. They cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. And let me tell you the thought that came out of this for me when I read this again and thought, my goodness. Lot took the east, and then the Lord says, I want you to look and look every direction. All of it belongs to you, including the east. And the Lord dropped this thought in my mind. Anything that leaves your hand when you give it generously, it still doesn't leave your life. It don't leave your life because when you give it with a generous heart, anything you do with generosity, not it, it can leave your hands, but God will always give it back to you. It doesn't matter what it is. The Lord said to him, I know Lot took the east, but I'm telling you, Abraham, that's what he took, but I'm giving you all of it. Am I talking to the right church? I'm giving you, I'm giving you all of it. Now, how did this, how did this end? What, what's their legacy? It's really tragic, honestly. Some of you might recall the story of what happened in Lot. There he was in that place of sin and debauchery and evil. He was vexed by it. The Lord said that he was going to come and destroy that place. He told Abram that. He was going to destroy it. Abram was very much concerned about Lot because that was his relative. Even though he had moved off and done his own thing and had his own heart, his own mindset, doing his own thing, he was concerned about him. The Lord, the Lord promised him, I would do my best to save Lot out of that place. And Lot's legacy, once he got word that he had to leave and, 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 and get out of that place, even with that, and again, that's another message, he didn't go where the Lord told him to go. He wanted to go up to another place where he could still try to cultivate a life of his own, doing it his way. And Genesis 19, 26 says when Lot and him was getting rescued out of the city, Lot's wife looked back and, and followed him behind, and she turned to a pillar of salt. So he loses his wife because his heart was not to do the thing of giving it away and being generous. But then it gets worse. They get to a place. It's just him and his two daughters. And listen to this. This is a little graphic, but I, want, I need you to hear this. Afterward, Lot left Zoar because he was afraid of the people there. And he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, there are no men left anywhere in this entire area, so we can't get married like everyone else. In other words, it was just them now living there with nothing. And our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let us get him drunk and wine, with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way, we will preserve our family line through our father. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, listen, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation known as the Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Ami. He became ancestors of the nation now known as the Ammonites. Now, if you know anything about your Bible history, the Moabites and the Ammonites both eventually got destroyed by God. And Lot's legacy ended with his death as a matter of fact what legacy lot left was one that was not generous one that was not obedient and one that was not reverent to god and his family end up dying out anyway because of their disobedience and their reverence to the lord but how about the legacy of abraham with all his generosity listen to what the lord said when when abraham did what god told him to do and live with that kind of generous life and generous heart listen to his legacy as a matter of fact, you're sitting here because of Abraham's legacy. Genesis 17, 4 through 8 says, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to your descendants. It will be a possession forever and I will be their God. It's an ongoing legacy. As a matter of fact, because of Abraham's generosity and Abraham living a generous life and not trying to hold on to something that's not his. And and because he gave his life away, the legacy of Abraham is every one of us that are born in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. His legacy is still living because Jesus is living and we're living and we're glorifying the almighty God. One legacy comes to a complete end because they try to hold on to everything they got. But the legacy that you want to leave is one of a generous life. I promise you, it will go on and on and on and on. And I've thought about a few things because oftentimes, again, when we talk about generosity, we talk about just the idea of money. And that's always part of it, of course. Anything that the Lord provides us with belongs to Him. But, but I'm telling you, So many things come back to us when we're generous in ways that just bless the socks off of you. Can I tell you because I pray the life that I've lived and the things that I've modeled to my children every time Aria runs up to me and says grandpa I want to go for ice cream I feel like I'm getting back everything that God has for me just to be able to have a legacy of someone I can hold that I know and believe God has granted great grace every time I stand at the door and one of you say pastor my life has changed or let me tell you my story or that message was good I'm telling you I feel like God has given it to me back it, for me it never comes down to money and I'm going to be straight out honest with you I'll never worry about money another day in my life not because I got all that but because I got all him because I got all him because God always gives back when you leave a, live a life of generosity I'm telling you your legacy will leave, live long beyond you am I talking to the right church let me wrap this up I'm gonna give you three things. Team, you can come in and then we'll, we'll move right along. And, here, and note these things. When you give yourself to God first, all other giving is easy. Uh, I got one amen. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate you. I don't think I paid you enough for that amen, so I'm gonna try this one again. When you give yourself to God first, all other giving is easy. It's all easy, and 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 listen. I'm going to tell you: from tithing, that's easy; serving, that's easy; loving people, that's easy. When you give yourself to God first, all other giving is easy, because your life is wrapped up in Him. And here's just a second thought from that: we need to view all things from the lenses of eternity. I know you hear the jokes and you hear the stories. You know, you've never been to a funeral when when they go to bury the person uh, in the hearse. You know, you got a U-Haul or something hauling behind them. All those are good little ditties and good little cliches. But you know the truth of it is, oftentimes we do live this life as if this is it. As if it ain't going no—everything, I'm getting everything I can now as if I'm going to take it with us. But Mary lived a life with eternity in view. When she poured that stuff over Jesus' feet and wiped, wiped his feet with her hair, she wasn't looking about what she had to hold on to here on earth. She was looking at what she would have as an inheritance in heaven. She had the view of eternity, not just the view of what's happening in front of me. Abram was the same way. When Abram told Lot, go ahead and take whatever you want, man. It's quite all right because Abraham already had the promise that he served a God who was making a house for him whose builder and maker was not on earth. He had a view of eternity. And the scripture says this, and sometimes I think we actually get it twisted because wherever you place your treasure, that's where your heart gonna be. Now, here's what we do sometimes. Sometimes we quote this verse backwards and we say, wherever your heart is, your treasure will follow. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, wherever you put your treasure, whatever you, wherever you put that, what is most important to you, that's where your heart will be. It's a whole different aspect. It's not like, it's not like okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my, my heart here and then my treasure will follow me. Then I'll do the things that are right. No, it's the other way around. You put your treasure, your life, you put it in the hands of God first. And, all, and then your heart will come along and everything about your life will reflect that eternal perspective. Let me just read the scripture to you because you, you do better when, when you hear the Bible. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this. For where your treasure is, wherever you place the thing that's most valuable to you. Now I'm just going to give you a little, just a little bit of advice here, just a little thought. Your 401k is not more valuable than your life. Your savings account is not more valuable than your soul. Your house or your car, and I'm just going to break this down real good, your family, your marriage, your children, your career is not more important than your eternal destiny. Wherever you put you wherever you place, because you are the treasure. You are possession of God. He died for you. He He has all authority of your life. The Lord is saying, you are wonderful to me. You're the treasure. Wherever you place that, the heart will follow. But we got to view it through the lens of eternity. If we think our greatest value is what we can gain and grab and Consist of here on earth, and we flat out missed it. This is where you'll stay, this is where you'll decay, this is where you'll rot. But if you understand the value that you have and the greatest treasure you got is you giving your life to the Lord, everything else will follow. Let me let me just close with one more thing you got to be intentional in giving and sharing all you have in this life, be intentional the mindset, is I'm going to be intentional. Whatever I have, whoever I am, whatever is of me, I'm going to be intentional in giving. Listen to what Paul said, and it's just a brief little statement he said to Timothy, but he said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now this is, I want you to listen to this for all of us, not if you're one sitting here thinking, well, I ain't rich. Some people can be just as Food and ain't got a dime. Listen, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in God's works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. Here's this. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. The legacy you leave is determined by the life you live and what you give away true life is a life that's generous a true heart is a life is a heart that's generous a true perspective is having your affections up above because once you settle with that in your heart and mind everything else down here on earth as Paul said don't mean a whole lot because that's where life really is so I want everybody to stand and I want to just pray this thought for everybody here that if you want to leave a legacy, the mindset, the heart, the attitude, the action is that we got to give ourselves away. And you can do that in many ways. Treasure, time, talent, so many things. Serving. And it's not limited to just giving of money. It's my life. It's my life. Give your life away. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity we have to learn from your word. Some things are tough. Some things are challenging. Some things get us right where we don't want to be got. Some principles and some truths, Lord God, are so counter to what we think and what we believe. Even what we read and maybe things we've been taught. The Bible is oftentimes counter to the culture that we live in. been surrounded by a mindset that we need to get all we can and can all we get and sit on our can but lord i pray for us as a body as a people that we realize there's there's the marys in the scriptures who you said is a memorial because she gave herself away there's an abraham in the scripture all of us are now living in, in the legacy of him because he gave himself away but above all there's a Jesus in the scripture who voluntarily and sacrificially gave himself away that not only that we have eternal life but that we have a permanent place in the presence of the almighty God where we're free from all of this stuff on earth that can overwhelm us and bring us the weeping and the sorrow and the grief and challenges and trials and tribulations lord when we keep an eternal perspective father that's where our hearts are gonna be and so i'm praying for us as a people lord for some of us this may be some daily challenges where we got to think through the process am i being about me or am i being about you am i being about me or am i being about others Am I trying to hold on or I'm letting go? But Lord, I pray you help us to get there. I pray you help us to get there. Let us see the victories in our life. The small things that become big things because we're leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy, Lord God, a mind and a heart and a person that is absolutely committed to you. In Jesus' name, may the people of God say amen.